I didn't know what I was doing. And so basically, I just writing words on the page, just like winging it. So I did it for like a year and a half. But the problem was I kept on getting stuck because I didn't know like what it takes to write a novel. What's good? I'm Nikisha Elise Williams, and this is Black and Published, bringing you the journeys of writers, poets, playwrights, and storytellers of all kinds. Today's guest is Lizzie Damilola Blackburn, author of the novel Yinka, Where Is Your Husband? It's a story born out of Lizzie's own experience of dating while Black, British, and Christian, but with the added layers of deconstructing colorism and pushing back against harmful stereotypes. I feel like sometimes there's this trope of, you know, Black women need to be strong and having their ish together all the time. And sometimes it's hard to, to stay strong. So I wanted to kind of like give Black women the freedom to kind of like slip up at times and not always have their ish together and not be portrayed as, as perfect. In breaking down the portrayal of the strong Black woman, Lizzie readily admits her protagonist is desperate and at a disadvantage. The reason she says those odds make her novel an unconventional love story. Plus, the one message she has for meddlesome mothers and aunties pressuring young women to get married. And the three traits she says you have to have to make it as a writer. That's next, when Black and Published continues. So Lizzie, my first question for you is, when did you know that you were a writer? Oh, I would say when I was a kid, because I always loved reading and writing. And I remember like in my spare time, I would just like write stories on a computer and my parents would have to like literally drag me from the chair to go and have dinner. And I just really enjoyed it. It just came natural to me, but I didn't like actually start to visualize myself as a writer, like doing it as a full-time job until I started to write Ginka. Mm. And that was in my um, early to mid-20s. So yeah, I'd probably say when I was a kid, but then I really went hard for it when I became an adult. What was it about your adult life that inspired Ginka that brought you back to the page? So um, funny enough, Ginka's story started off as a short story. I had on a blog that I ran back in 2014, 2015 called Christian Date Dilemmas. And basically at the time I was looking for like a mainstream fiction book with a Christian protagonist, but I couldn't find it because I'm a Christian myself. So that was something that I was quite drawn to. And so because I couldn't find it in mainstream fiction, I decided to set up this blog and this blog had different short stories with different characters and it all had, they each had some sort of like love dilemma or death dilemma and Yinka was one of the characters and her story was based off you know my experience because in my early 20s my dear mum was kind of like asking me about my boyfriend and when am I going to settle down and so I kind of used that experience to write a story about a British Nigerian woman in her early 30s going through the same thing but it was until I met this amazing author called Jackie Lee when I went to a blogging workshop And she was the one that inspired me to turn it into a novel because I shared my blog with her just to get feedback on my writing. 
And she said, I really love this Yinka character. I feel like her story will make a good novel. And so I took on a challenge and mm-hmm. five plus years later, here I am. <laughs> yeah. So like if you started, you said you started the blog in 2014 and Yinka really stood out over the course of five years. How did, you know, you work to grow as a writer to really, you know, take mm. Yinka from a short story on a blog that was kind of autobiographical to this full-fledged British Nigerian woman and all of her friends and exploits in this novel that you have now? Yeah, so initially I didn't know what I was doing. So when I took on the challenge, I just thought I could just try to stretch out the initial concept of the story. And so basically I just write in words on the page, just like winging it. So I did that for like a year and a half. Um, But the problem was I kept on getting stuck because... I didn't know like what it takes to write a novel. So I would start, stop, start again. And it wasn't until I read this really good book called Story Engineering by Larry Brooks, which I recommend to all writers. And that was like my light bulb moment because I finally understood what storytelling is. And in order to write a novel, there needs to be like conflicts and stakes and, you know, plot and structure and themes and compelling characters and, you know, all the things I didn't have in my draft. So um, from that point, I started to invest in myself as a writer. So I started to attend workshop classes, read more about story crafting, made connections with other writers. And that's how Yinka's story evolved. And that's how like the world um, evolved as well and the characters. And the more I just worked hard on it, the more things came together and when I got my agent, um, she really helped me take it to the next level because she was able to kind of offer me editorial advice as well. So, yeah, I'll just say that it kind of like grew over time. What have you learned in this process of writing this novel and growing as a writer in real time as you were writing the novel? I would say I've learned the importance of just like being patient persistent and resilient (laughs) which I feel like are three things that you need to be a writer so when I say patience just like being patient with myself and it's not every day that you go and sit down to write the words flow or you know what to write so give yourself that grace that that's part and parcel of the process resilience as well so you have to like just kind of keep going and it's really hard to keep going when you don't have you don't know whether what you're writing is any good or whether it will lead to anything but you need to have that kind of like self-belief that you know just to even write the story even if it's just myself is is good enough and it just needs to be out there um and what was the third one that I said um patient persistent and resilient so you did patient and resilient so persistence yeah so yeah again I just learned that you know just keep on going just take one chapter sometimes one word one sentence at a time (laughs) and eventually like um, you'll get there and like I said it wasn't a book that I wrote overnight it took me five plus years and a lot happened within that time as well which meant that I had to stop writing for a bit and then come back to it later and you know that's why I mentioned the whole importance of being patient as well because I do feel like if you keep on going, things will kind of like happen in its time. 
So you were working on this, though, as an aside. So, like, what were you doing in your life, like, to survive and to live since, as you were trying to write Yinka and, yeah. this, and make this novel happen? Yeah, so I worked for a charity. Um, I've been in the charity sector for um, 10 plus years. So while I was writing Yinka, um, I think it's three organizations, three charities that I'd worked in. And so it meant that I had to kind of like squeeze writing in the evenings, on the weekends. Sometimes I would take and leave just to write. <laughs> um, like I'll take a week off or something. And sometimes that week is when I have writer's block. And I'm like, oh gosh, that was <laughs> useless. <laughs> So yeah, it was very difficult. And also when I got married, I moved from London to Milton Keynes, which is by train, the quickest train is half an hour away, but from my doorstep to my workplace, it was two hours in total. So that kind of took off, <laughs> yeah, that took off um, quite a bit of my day. So sometimes I would bring my laptop into work and write in the quiet room during break time. So just trying to squeeze pockets of time where I could during the holiday. So it was very, very difficult. And I have to say that um, the pandemic was a blessing in disguise mm. in 2020 because during lockdown was when I finished my manuscripts. And I don't think I could have done it if I didn't have that time, you know, to really work on it. In 2020, was that when you finished your manuscript? Was that with your agent or was that just your first draft before you got your agent? That was with my agent. Yeah. So I had done quite a few drafts before then, but I hadn't really got to the ends. Like with me, I have a habit of like starting and stopping, starting and stopping. So when I finished my manuscript, that was like my first complete draft. But it wasn't the first draft, if that makes sense. So you got your agent with a partial manuscript? So what happened was in 2019, I um, entered this writing competition mm. run by um, the Literary Consultancy. And I wasn't going to apply because I felt like, you know, I read the bios of the shortlist and the winners in the previous years and it all had some sort of like writing credentials or like writing background and I was like who am I like <laughs> you know I can't you know compete with this but thankfully I entered after praying you know after speaking to my husband and I ended up winning which kind of like took me by surprise and one of the panel members was my agent Nell Andrew and she basically we connected after the events and to cut a long story short, she asked me for the first 50 pages of a manuscript and a synopsis. And um, after offering me some like feedback and editorial insights, she offered me representation. Wow. Yeah. So then take us through your publishing journey, because it seems very a lot of grit in the beginning, but then very charmed going throughout. Like you mm. got your agent really quickly after the competition. And yeah. so what has what your publishing process been like after you finished that first complete draft in 2020 during the pandemic? Yeah, so things just went really, really quickly. So um, finished my manuscript, I think in May, and then we sent it to, um, I think 18 or so publishing houses in June. And within 24 hours, um, Viking, which is an imprint of Penguin, snapped it up. So they preempted. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's crazy. <laughs> and I spoke to my former editor, because she's now left um, Penguin, Katie. And we just got on well. And she loved Jean Carr. She was so passionate about the story and about my you know, career as a, as a writer. I just knew that she was a right editor for, for Jean Carr. And um, I think a month later, Viking in the US snapped it up, did the same thing, preempted it. 
and things just happened quite quickly. So I got a few um, international deals as well. And also a TV deal too, which is really exciting. <laughs> yeah, I have to say Viking have been absolutely amazing. So they just really gave it their all. And they chose Yinka as their lead book for 2022, which meant that they were able to put more resources into the marketing. So we did a lot of campaigning work for at least, I think, a good eight months before it was released, <laughs> which was really exciting. So that involves me going to bookshops with a proof of Yinka to kind of like build engagement with booksellers, you know, a lot of like social media activities, doing some videos, filming, podcast interviews. Yeah, it was really exciting. <laughs> so was Ying, I know it was released this year. Was it released on the same day in the UK and the US and other international markets? So it was released in the US first in Jan, oh. and then it came out in the UK in March. Okay. Um, yeah. It was supposed to be released at the same time, but because of scheduling here in the UK, like, yeah, we just decided to push it back. Okay, so we got it first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so yeah. let's get to the reading. Uh, if you could read a few pages, a few minutes from Yinka, and then I can ask you my questions. Black and published family, it's time for the reading. Yinka, where is your husband? Is a romantic comedy of a novel starring a dark-skinned, short, kinky-haired British-Nigerian woman who's desperate to get a date by her cousin's wedding. So much so that she puts together a plan to make it happen. But whether it's finding love or navigating life, for Yinka, nothing goes according to plan. A revelation that forces her to decide whether she wants to change herself for a man or just play the romance hand she's dealt. Here's Lizzie. Yeah. So just to give you some context, so um, it's a day of Yinka's younger sister's baby shower and her mom has just come to the end of like giving this epic long prayer. Mom continues to pray for protection, safety, and security. No weapon formed against Kimi shall prosper. My legs are starting to ache and my knees begin to wobble. Then at long glass, Mom says what everyone has been waiting for. Lord, answer our prayers. In Jesus' sweet, holy, precious name we pray. The last amen is triumphant. I open my eyes to see a wave of women collapsing on their seats each breathing a loud sigh of relief, except for Big Mama. She's already slumped in her chairs, shoes kicked off and legs outstretched. Her toenails look like pork scratchings dipped in red paint. I smile. Big Mama may not be the most decorous of my 300 odd aunties because in Nigerian culture, every African woman who is older than you by at least 10 years is by default your auntie, regardless of whether or not you're blood related. But still, I can't help but love the woman. Hold on. She thrust forward in her chair. Tolu, you didn't pray for your eldest daughter. Mum, who for the past two hours had been patting her bird's nest of a weave sporadically as if she has fleas, turns to me with wide eyes. Oh, yes, she exclaims, using one hand to hoist up her wrapper while the other continues to pat her itchy scalp. How could I forget about Yinka, the investment banker? Head swoosh in my direction, and despite my attempts to avoid eye contact with my aunties, I can tell they're grinning at me encouragingly. No matter how many times I've told mum that I work as an operations manager in an investment bank, she still gets it wrong. Whether she does this due to pride or because it's easy to explain, 
I'm still unsure. And to be fair, it's the first thing that most people assume whenever I tell them I work for Godfrey and Jackson. No one ever thinks of the operations team, the unsung heroes who work in the back office and work through all the processes to settle each banker's trade. Okay, operations may not sound glamorous, but it's still a solid job and I'm proud of it. Anyway, whatever the reason, Mum sure does mention my profession as an investment banker a hell of a lot more than she mentions Kemi's job as a drama teacher. Though not to the extent to which she gloats about Kemi being married or having a baby, of course. Yes, God has blessed me with two daughters. I should pray for them both. Mum claps. Oh yeah, everybody, rise to your feet. We have to pray for Yinka. The groans are somehow both quiet and yet loud enough to fill the room. Thank you. So I remember, I think I saw it on Twitter, like a bit of that section that you just read from and this epic prayer that her mother prays at her sister's baby shower, no less. And you <laughs> talked about the pressures that you felt to to settle down. So in writing those prayers and switching back and forth between the Yoruba and the, the British English and British slang, were you kind of like, you know, getting out some of your own frustrations on the page with your own family and friends and the pressures that you felt? <laughs> well, thankfully, my mom never prayed for me in public <laughs> about <laughs> trying to find a husband. She did it privately. So I'm grateful for that. My mom, she wasn't as bad as Inka's mom. So that was good. Um, I, I just decided to have fun with it. I decided to kind of like, just to make my point of how the pressure can be so much on a woman that she kind of goes on this journey to change herself I kind of had to exaggerate in places so I decided to have to go all out basically and um and I, and also I feel like it, it does happen as well so I think I had one person email me and said that oh yeah my mom used to pray for me in public <laughs> to find a husband so yeah I just kind of like allowed my imagination to to run wild when I'm writing that chapter but it, I feel like it's a recurring thing because you talk about the pressures and seeing everybody getting married and having babies. The book is set around these milestones. So it's the sister's baby shower mm. and then it's the best friend's engagement party. And then it's all of the wedding planning and, and then it's the baby's birth and the baby's christening and all these different things. And then the wedding in the end where Yinka's under constant pressure and even the women around her including her aunts are under this constant pressure to be in these relationships and no one's concerned for their own personal happiness and growth and development just as women and as people mm -hmm. um and telling that story and shining a light on those issues what do you want i guess people to get from it yeah I kind of want to show like how intense the pressure can be for some women and in Nigerian culture like sometimes getting married can be like the crown and glory of a woman's life and um, sometimes you know the mums and the aunties can take that wanting to the extreme and sometimes out of love but they don't know that you know their words or their their praise or whatever can be quite hurtful or um not helpful basically in terms of supporting you know the daughter or, or whoever and so I kind of wanted to shine a light on that as well because you know if an African or Nigerian mom 
picked up this book and they are like Yinka's mum, maybe they can have a bit of reflection on their actions as well. And also, I just wanted to show like, we're all in this together, that makes sense because some people might feel like they are alone or, you know, there may be that one friend that isn't married yet in their circle of friends. So I just kind of wanted to, it. I wanted it to be a book for all the Yinkas out there in the world, kind of like a, a comfort read. Hmm. You said earlier that even though Yinka is a love story, it's an unconventional love story. And in that, yes, there is like a enemies to, to lovers trope. Mm. But more than that, I feel like it's a self-love story. Yeah. And in crafting that, you talk a lot about how colorism affects black women, especially brown-skinned black women like you and mm-hmm. like my, like myself, and how it's, I guess, prevalent in the Nigerian community. Can you talk a little bit more about why that was important for you to include in this novel? Yeah, so I knew that I wanted Jinka to be dark skin and, you know, have like 4C, short, kinky hair. And I just felt like there's no way I can like include these traits and not talk about colorism and texturism because they do have an impact on a woman's dating experience. And, you know, in this day and age, colorism is everywhere. Like you only need to look at the media to see who's like kind of has more of the spotlight so whether that's music videos or movies like the love interest tends to be of a lighter complexion and so I wanted to show how a person like Yinka who's dark skin and has short kinky hair kind of internalizes those messages and so in Yinka's case also coupled up the fact that she was bullied when she was younger for having dark, darker skin she feels like, okay, maybe the reason why I'm still single in my 30s because I'm not attractive enough. It's because, you know, I'm too dark. And so it was really important for me to kind of like raise awareness of colorism and to show like the impact it can have on someone's self-esteem and self-worth. And also just to kind of like keep the conversation going as well so that people don't kind of like use preferences as a mask of their own colorist attitudes and things like that so um I don't know what the solution is to kind of like eradicate colorism because obviously it's a byproduct of racism which is a byproduct of slavery but I feel like you know if we can get these conversations going and affirm our children and tell them that you know black is beautiful all shades of black is beautiful as Yinka's dad said the midnight sky is just as beautiful as the sunrise then hopefully we can get, you know, more people, more Black people to love the skin that they're in. I feel like that's best illustrated when Yinka was in the counselling session with Jackie. And I guess Jackie says to her, it's been dividing our people for generations. And do you know what the sad thing is? It has made our people believe this lie, that the closer one is to being white, the better one is. Sounds silly when I say it aloud, doesn't it? But a lie can appear true when it has been told for centuries. And including that from the therapist, Mm. you also add another layer to the book about not only the importance of self-love and colorism, but, you know, the importance of getting help to access that self-love by going to counseling and and seeking out a therapist. Was that part of your own personal journey? And was that why you included it in the book? 
So funny enough, when I did my initial outlines, um, outline, sorry, for Yinka, the therapy bit wasn't there. Mm. So Yinka kind of like had this awakening <laughs> of like, okay, maybe, I don't know, she kind of like comes to terms with like herself on her own, but having a bit of reflection and, and things like that. But then as I wrote the book, I realized actually she needs to see a professional and, um, you know, it's not, it's not all the time that, you know, prayer is going to work about like taking action or just kind of like meditating or just kind of doing reflection. Sometimes you need that professional help and to talk it through with a professional person. And so that's how it kind of came into being just by listening to Yinka and letting Yinka lead the way. So that was kind of like, I think after the midpoint, when I realized that actually with the way she's going, she needs to see a counselor at some point. And then let's talk about the love interest, the many <laughs> love <laughs> interests in these series of dates that she goes on. Was that pulled from your own experience where you just had like this series of bad dates or a little naivete around, you know, the dating apps and how to maneuver that scene? And so we see all that coming out in Yinka where she's like immediately drawn to people and thinking, okay, this is the one, this is the one, this is the one. And yet she doesn't see the person that's like right in front of her face. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, so I I definitely drew on that kind of anxiety that you feel when you're kind of like dating and you're kind of hoping that the next person that you meet is the one and that they're not and you could go back on the app and then try to find a you know a new person and then the title kind of repeats again so mm. I definitely drew in that feeling but in terms of the men themselves they're all like like fictional <laughs> I just kind of like knew that okay there needs to be the person that Yinka is attracted to but isn't the one for her there also needs to be a nice guy as well. I feel like most girls have that, the nice guy in the background that on paper, they seem like they're a good fit, fit for them, but actually there's no chemistry or physical attraction there. And then obviously like the one that you would least expect to be the one. So. <laughs> okay. Um, you mentioned earlier that, you know, your Christian faith was very important to you and that's why you kind of started writing your blog because as a Christian, you know, you were having your own dating dilemmas. Why was it so important to make that a central focus of Yinka's Mm. story as well? Yeah. So um, I think because I just wanted to normalize a Christian protagonist in a mainstream fiction book. Mm. I feel like in like publishing, every person should be able to find a book that kind of reflects their experiences and who they are. And the fact that I couldn't find a mainstream fiction book with a Christian protagonist to me was quite troubling. And it kind of made me think that, okay, maybe there are some preconceptions of Christians. Maybe people feel like if I read a book about Christians, they're either going to be, you know, pious or judgy or self-righteous. I kind of felt like it was an opportunity to kind of like shed light that Christians are not all like that. And to show that, you know, we are normal and go through the same things as other people do, but we just have faith in a higher being. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I just wanted to show how Yinka has this beautiful relationship with with God and how she sees him as a friend and how she confines in him and how she is committed to her faith as well. And also how her faith has an impact on her dating life because mm-hmm. Yinka, you know, is saving herself for marriage 
for religious reasons. And I think for some Christians out there, it does kind of like, I guess, reduce the pool of men available to them because not everyone is willing to to wait. So I want to show how that can make things harder for her. I like how you wrote the book in that, you know, a reader gets so invested in Yinka's story that you don't kind of realize how extreme she's become mm-hmm. until... I don't think I got it until it was the conversation that she had with the one guy she met from the dating app where he's like, you've called me 15 times. Oh, yeah. and I was like, whoa. Because <laughs> at the beginning, <laughs> I was like, why are her friends so hard on her? Why do they think she needs to go to therapy? Why do they think she's like out here acting crazy with like her dating operation, wedding date plan and mm-hmm. all of those things? And so like, I, I, I like the buildup. And so it wasn't until I was okay. She's being a little extra now, but mm. I didn't really pick that up. So I, I, I did. I enjoyed that part. It, was that intentional you. where you tried to make, you know, people maybe not see Yinka's crazy right up front? That's funny that you said that because quite a few people said, oh, like she was crazy from even just trying to like pursue Alex. <laughs> mm. So it's crazy that you have that that point of view. Um, I just like I kind of give Yinka a hard time, to be fair, because. <laughs> I just kind of put her in a place where she's really desperate and, you know, also with um, her cousin's wedding coming up as well, like there's more of a a drive to find a date so that she doesn't go alone. So I just kind of like stacks everything against her, if that makes sense. And um, I also wanted her to go a little bit crazy because I feel like sometimes there's this trope of, you know, black women need to be strong and having their ish together all the time. And we don't, we're not all like that. And sometimes it's hard to, to stay strong. So I wanted to kind of like give black women the freedom to kind of like slip up at times and not always have their ish together and not be portrayed as, as perfect beings. So with that said, what's next for you as a writer in writing these stories of black women and love and dating and relationships? Yeah, so I'm currently writing book two, which has been a new challenge because obviously I spent like five plus years with Yinka. So it took me some time to kind of like get her voice out of my head. But I can't say too much about it, but it's going to be another book that kind of evokes Black joy and, you know, celebrates Black love and hopefully it's funny as well. So I kind of want to continue in that realm. So just writing stories that Black people can see themselves and celebrate our culture and our community. And will this also include British Nigerian characters or Nigerian family characters? Because I really enjoyed that. Yes, of course. And also Caribbean characters as well, because, mm. yeah, because my husband is of Jamaican heritage. So, well, OK, let me try and double with that, you know, and try inject some of the Jamaican culture. So... Yeah, watch this space. <laughs> All right. So I want to switch to a speed round in the game before I let you go for your afternoon. Uh, what is your favorite book? Oh, I, I can't answer that question. I have so many favorite books. <laughs> Top, five. <laughs> Top five. Top five. That's even like harder. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh. Zayda Smith on Beauty. That's the one that first one came to mind. Yeah. Okay. Who is your favorite author? Zayda Smith. Mm-hmm. All right. You mentioned that you were in talks to do some TV and film stuff with Yinka. So who would play Yinka and who would play Donovan, who is the final love mm. interest? Yinka, um, a lot of people have said that 
Yvonne Orji would make a good Yinka because, you know, she is Nigerian and she does have a similar kind of like backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's a Christian as well. Um, or may, I wouldn't mind like a breakthrough, like a new actress. Um, with Donovan, I would say John Biega because I had him in mind while I was writing Yinka. Like his face was what I would visualize when I would write his character. I see it. Yeah. And he's from Peckham as well. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I see it. Then what do you think is the best book to movie adaptation you've ever seen? Hunger Games, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Name three things on your bucket list. Ooh. <laughs> I guess to travel to Brazil, to learn how to swim. <laughs> if I get around to it. <laughs> and to swim with dolphins. <laughs> so you have to learn how to swim to swim (laughs) that's awesome and do you have a hidden talent i can make like bird noises like squawking noise the kids ask me to do it (laughs) i'm not i just wasn't expecting that (laughs) it's quite convincing (laughs) Like, do you like go out and make bird noises and then actually hear birds respond back to you? Oh, no, I haven't tried that yet. <laughs> but I remember, like, in school for assembly play, I played a bird and I, I played a really good bird. <laughs> I nailed that part. <laughs> nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so our game is called Rewriting the Classics. We'll see how far we get. Name one book you wish you would have written. Hmm. Um, Babisek and his, and his four wives. I can't remember the author's name. She's a Nigerian author. Mine's gone blank. But yeah, it's really good. Like, yeah, amazing. All right. Name a book where you want to change the ending and how would you do it? Hmm. Um, Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed. Hmm. Yeah. So I think at the end, I think I would have wanted the main character, I can't remember her name, but I, I think I wanted her to. I don't know, have a conversation with her former babysitter, like in the future. So maybe I wish there was an epilogue that kind of showed them reconnecting somehow. Yeah. I have not read that yet. I keep saying it and I'm like, okay, I'm going to read it. And then I don't get it. Then I'm going to read it and I don't get it. So I saw it at my local library. I was like, okay, oh, I'm going to get it from amazing. the library. So, all right, I'll, I'm going to yeah. put that on my list. <laughs> yes. Okay. The last <laughs> question for this section, name a book that you think is overrated or overtaught and why hmm. I'm going to pass on that one <laughs> alright so my final question for you today is when you are dead and gone and among the ancestors what would you like someone to write about you and the legacy of words and work that you left behind hmm. oh it's a very deep question love it <laughs> <laughs> um, I would want someone to say that despite my fears and despite the fact that I'm not like you know I didn't go to school to get an MA in creative writing I'm basically self-taught to some extent so despite all that I was still able to write a book that has a you know a really important message and gives black women a voice and you know celebrates black culture as well so if anyone if I did it then you can as well Mm. yeah thank you Lizzie thank you
Big thank you to Lizzie Damilola Blackburn for being here today on Black and Published. Make sure you check out her debut novel, Yinka, Where Is Your Husband? Out now from Viking Books in the U.S. and the U.K. And if you're not following Lizzie, check her out on the socials. She's at Lizzie Damilola Blackburn on Instagram and Damilola Lizzie on Twitter. And Damilola is D-A-M-I-L-O-L-A. That's our show for the week. If you like this episode and want more Black and Published, head to our Instagram page. It's at Black and Published, and that's B-L-K and Published. There, I've posted a bonus clip from my interview with Lizzie about what kept her writing and rewriting her novel over the course of five years and how she knew sharing this story was purpose work. Make sure you check it out and let me know what you think in the comments. I'll holler at y'all next week when our guest will be Tracy Cross, author of the horror novel Root Work. We were ready to go to press and then it came time for StokerCon this past May. And I said, I'm going to have the release there. And the owner of the company said, look, I'm sorry, but I just didn't make money during COVID. I have to shut the the whole publishing place down. I got to shut it down. So I won't be publishing your book. I'm sorry. That's next week on Black and Published. I'll talk to you then. Peace. <laughs>